For podcasts, articles, and more, find us on NewstalkSTL.com. This is Mark McCloskey on fire on News Talk STL. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Mark McCloskey, Mark McCloskey on fire, News Talk STL 101.9, uh, and uh, on X, formerly known as Twitter, on Rumble on my Facebook feed, any place you get your podcast. Well, you know, I spent uh, a better part of last week interacting with some January 6th defendants, including the son of a good friend of mine who's running for Arizona yeah, for the United States House of Representatives. And his son got convicted last week, facing 21 years in prison for doing no more than being outside the Capitol building on January 6th. By the way, one of the things he did, which was uh, unconscionable, was he was actually filming what was going on, including the fact that agents provocateur <laughs> were egging on the uh, the protesters and actually participating in the uh, in the limited amount of actual physical damage done. But you know, these people are getting decades in prison. I had on my program last week. I had Zuni Duarte, Enrique Tario's mom, her son wasn't even at the Capitol building but has faced 22 years in prison now. He's been in solitary confinement 23 hours a day for two and a half years and is facing another 20 years of the same condition for doing no more than being in Baltimore at the time that January 6th happened. He actually got convicted of breaking a federal-owned fence, not conspiracy to, not being in charge of others that did, but they convicted him personally of breaking a fence in Washington, D.C. when he was in Baltimore. And by the way, that cost him a terrorism enhancement and added 10 years to his sentence. That's the kind of justice we have today for January 6th defendants. Well, ladies and gentlemen, my guest here today is a young man named Joe Connor, whose father, Frank Connor, was murdered by communist terrorists in New York City on January 24th of 1975. And he's going to tell us today a little bit compare and contrast of how our government, how our leftist power structure treats communist genuine terrorists as compared to the way they're punishing the January 6th political prisoners. So welcome to the show today, Mr. Joe Connor. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I, re- I really appreciate it. And, and tell us a little bit about your background and, and uh, um, how, you know, I know that, that uh, terrorism has affected your family yeah. directly twice both in 1975 and again on 911. But get yep. a, give us a little bit of a personal background. Sure. Um, thanks, Mark. Um, my father, Frank Connor, was 33 years old when he was murdered at Francis Tavern in New York. It's where George Washington uh, said farewell to his officers after the Revolutionary War, where the Sons of Liberty met. Uh, it's where American liberty was born in a lot of ways. My dad was 33, went there for lunch on January 24th, 1975, when a a uh, package was brought in and placed at the uh, behind the table where he and his colleagues, he worked for J.P. Morgan Bank. He was a New York City kid and got a job there at night. My grandmother helped him. She was a cleaning lady at Morgan and got him a job so he'd be safe, not become a cop or a fireman like all his friends. So uh, they were sitting for lunch and um, man walked a package in, placed it behind the table where they were sitting. 
and within a few minutes uh, it uh, detonated. <clears throat> if you know anything about you know American history, you know that in 1975 the Vietnam War just ended, and uh, uh, who many of whom were uh, Vietnam vets were appalled and, and, and blown away, bad choice of words, I guess, by the, uh, by the absolute devastation that the bomb uh, created. It was packed with dynamite and shrapnel uh, nails and other things that was anti-personnel. <clears throat> um, my father was killed instantly. Uh, two other men at the table died. Um, and one man who was upstairs at a place called the Anglers Club got a nail that projected through the floor and into his body mm. um, straight up. Um, it was a horrendous, intentional um, act of, of war um, against the, an innocent populace. And um, that was the day, actually, we were going to be celebrating my ninth and my brother's 11th birthdays. Uh, I was born January 20th. My brother was born January 13th. And my mom was making a meal that night. So when uh, we came home from school and went out to play, um, she called us in. And uh, you don't know how a nine-year-old uh, can react to thinking it's going to be a real cool day with his dad celebrating his birthday to find out his dad had just been savagely murdered. Um, the FALN claimed responsibility um, with a communique that talked about reactionary corporate executives, the standard um, Marxist-type uh, language. Yeah. Um, over the years, they blew up 130 bombs in the U.S. They were caught in Chicago um, with weapons. and um, Having placed, up, what, 22 sorry. bombs at that time? I'm sorry? And caught having placed 22 different explosive devices? 22 different uh, explosives in Chicago, but, but about 130 bombs altogether they claimed responsibility for, e explosive and incendiary and uh, over a 10-year reign of terror. And, were, and, uh, and these folks were, were, were overt communists, and and, yes. uh, and rather than, were, than hiding their criminal acts, they, they bragged of them and posted responsibility for them. Absolutely. It was communiques like you'd see in a movie. They were proud of what they did. Um, they At sentencing, they wouldn't speak at their own trial. Um, at sentencing, they threatened to kill Judge McMillan. Um, who actually carried a six-shooter under his robe in the uh, courtroom in Chicago. Mm. Um, they were absolutely dedicated to their cause, to the point that one of them, a guy named William Morales, um, who uh, on, on what would have been my dad's um, 37th birthday in 1978, um, blew himself up while building a bomb in his Queen's Bomb Factory. It blew off nine of his fingers, one of his eyes, and uh, he was so dedicated to what he was doing that when the police got there, he was shredding documents with the stub and turned on the gas in the apartment to turn it into a bomb. So when the cops and firemen got there, he could blow them up. Mm. Well, wasn't he eventually about. escaped from prison? He did. He eventually escaped from prison with one finger, um, similar to the way well, Joanne Chesimard, um, the BLA member escaped also from prison around the same time. Um, he was helped by a group called The Family, which is a combination of the Weather Underground, the May 19th Communist Organization, and some other radicals, white and black at the time. Mm -hmm. um, Morales escaped shimmying down a, a rope, a ladder he made of sheets, something out of a movie, 
um, and, and, and got out. He ended up in Mexico where there was a gunfight with Mexican police. He was arrested after a couple of Mexican cops were killed. He did some time in a Mexican prison and then was extradited against the wishes of Reagan. This was in the 80s to uh, Cuba, where he's been a guest of the Castro regime. Well, the new the new regime now um, ever since. And there's a lot of American fugitives there, including Morales, Joanne Chesimard, uh, Victor Garena, Charlie Hill. Um, it's been a left. It's a leftist um, communist haven. Um, and we've been working very hard for the last several decades to have this guy returned. I even wrote a book about it and have a movie and um, a documentary film uh, that we're looking to uh, to get out. Well, let me yeah. let me back up a little bit with you then, because I know that that at the time, by the way, I'm old enough to remember all this stuff. And if you were only nine in 1975, you probably don't remember, but I'm sure you know about it. Back beginning in 67, 68 or so, the uh, Black Panther organization the uh, Weather Underground started engaging in a, in a terrorist assault in the United States. Colleges burned. Buildings were, were blown up. Bank of America all throughout California were bombed. Uh, there, was, there was real, genuine insurrection resulting in death and destruction throughout the country year after year. Um, and, and uh, you know, I hate to say it, but I, th- those, yeah. those people are in charge of our government now. Right. And, and, if, and, and the generation before the FALN, um, actually attacked the Capitol building and shot up the Capitol building. Um, so we can talk about a real insurrection um, of these uh, Marxist Leninist Puerto Ricans um, who shot people, uh, including Capitol guards um, in, and took over the, uh, the, in 1954, I believe 53 or 54. So yeah, these guys were real insurrections. And, and as a matter of fact, their um, main charge that they were, sentenced to was seditious conspiracy yeah. and they were sentenced to between 55 and 70 years about 14 of them um they were never charged with the francis bombing because they were essentially put away for life in chicago there yeah. was no way they were going to ever, ever get out until of course politics changed in uh, 1999 and we'll get into that i'm sure but um yeah these guys were real terrorists put in prison locked away for life seditious conspiracy killed people bragged about it um were, were so arrogant that they wouldn't testify at their own trial because they didn't recognize the United States jurisdiction over them and uh, were happy going away for 70 years. Yeah. And, uh, and and they're they're being equated to the people that you just described. Yeah. Um, and, and, and who, you know, there, who there and not there on January 6th. Yeah. Well, and, you know, it's not just, it wasn't just the FALN. At the same time, we've got the May 19th communist group yeah. being headed by, uh, by Susan Rosenberg, whose claim to fame was that she was the first uh, lesbian communist organization leader. That's her, her, that's her great. Yeah, box that's, checking, right? That's, and, uh, that's way cool. As, as I recall, they, they uh, stole a Brinks truck, uh, killed the Brinks guard, two police officers. Eventually she was arrested with hundreds of pounds of dynamite and automatic weapons, but they actually <laughs> bombed the Senate chamber in those days. And, yeah, yeah and, the, the, the Weather Underground bombed the Senate chamber. They, they did take over the Brinks, killed, killed Waverly Brown and um, two other men that day. Um, yeah, they were dedicated. And, and quite honestly, the FALN and the Weather Underground and these groups are, were absolutely connected um, to the point that the FALN bombs and the bomb technicians who worked on this, who I've gotten to know from the FBI, um, they said the exact, they had the exact same bomb designs as the Weather Underground. Um, when, when Oscar Lopez, who turned down the Clinton clemency in 99, um, was looking to escape from, 
from Leavenworth with helicopters and explosives. I mean, we're talking about Lex Luthor over here. Um, he, uh, the, F the FBI actually um, overheard his conversations and uh, he was sending a guy to, to New Mexico to pick up, to get the uh, explosives. And he was a Weather Underground member. Mm. Guy by the name of Claude Marx. Yeah. So, um, well, let yes. me let me just digress Absolutely here again. Absolutely connected. Yeah, let me just digress here a little bit because you know, sure. to, for for the uh, current population that that has never heard any of this history, because of course, since yeah. it's counter narrative to the left, you never hear this stuff. Nobody talks about it anymore. Uh, and as I said, the people that and we'll get into the pardons and the uh, uh, what the the leftist government has done to apologize to these people and the for being mass murderers and terrorists. Um, but, you know, the, uh, the, in, the, in the real world, uh, what they always said, and I remember reading uh, at the time because I was going to college in 1975 and these, I got out of high school in 74. Um, but, I mean, they'd always say, we don't mean to hurt the working class. We don't mean to hurt the people that are, are poor or impoverished. What we want to do is kill and murder the, uh, the capitalist extremists, the, uh, the rich bankers and the, the elite class. But, but your dad, for example, he was a, a first-generation American that worked himself up from absolutely nothing to be a, an officer at, a, at, uh, at Morgan, right? That's exactly right. Uh, you know, they, and they called him a reactionary corporate executive, justifying. They, they were essentially his prosecution, his jury, and his executioner. And they felt they had absolutely every right to do that. As a matter of fact, you know, they were the, it, bombings are, are, are like um, arson in that they're very indiscriminate, too. Um, the first bombing that the FALN was credited with, I guess you'd say, was um, they maimed and almost killed a, uh, a Puerto Rican police policeman named uh, Angel Pogi, where they, they dialed into the police department that there was a dead body. They sent the cops there. When he opened up the door, it exploded. Mm. It was his first day on the job. He was a Puerto Rican-American. So it's... You know, to say that they were focusing on corporate executives, first of all, tough, sh you know what I'm saying? Like, that doesn't give you any right to kill anybody, yeah. um, corporate executives or not. Secondly, my father was a first generation American, as you said. He went to, he got a job at a high school at, at the bank as a clerk and he worked himself up. He went to night school when I was a kid. And and one other thing that I don't think we I even told you about was um, he went to City College for a while and City College ended up having a, uh, a, a club, for lack of a better word, uh, named for Morales, the FALN bomb maker, and Asanda Shakur, who's Joanne Chesmart. This was a, 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 a student center at the college. And I saw that on the news. I went up there, took pictures of it, called the, called the dean and said, you better effing close that place down. This was about 10 years ago. Um, and uh, I made us think they did shut it down. They had to go in at night and, and rip everything out. But this is a place my dad went to college who were honoring his murderers. Mm. All right, Joe Counter, we're going to take a break and come right back. This is Mark McCloskey, Mark McCloskey on Fire, News Talk STO 101.9, 94.1, and we'll be right back. Get more Mark McCloskey at NewstalkSTL.com. You're listening to Mark McCloskey on Fire on News Talk STL. For podcast articles and more, find us on NewstalkSTL.com. Mark McCloskey, on fire. 
This is Mark McCloskey on Fire on News Talk STL. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're back here with Joe Connor, whose father, Frank, was murdered by communist revolutionaries back in 1975. And this is a country where we're tearing down statues of Thomas Jefferson and Christopher Columbus and Teddy Roosevelt because they're, they're racist extremists, but we're honoring actual communist terrorists that bombed and murdered American citizens. Right. And my dad, my, my dad was profiled. My dad was racially profiled. You know, if you went downtown in 1975, it was all white guys. That's what it was. Maybe yeah. it's not like that now. I, I work in the area, but um, it was. And so they were racially profiled. And that's exactly what they were doing. And, um, you know, we even have a picture that somehow was missed of Oscar Lopez, who I mentioned before. It's him standing at Francis Tavern immediately after the bombing. It was, it was, he was on the periphery of a few different pictures by the uh, New York Daily News. Yeah. Facial we- recognition is... Yeah, we believe it's him. Yeah. And um and but they you don't know, no one ever you know, no one ever um apologized to us or or made the remark that, you know, he, my dad was was targeted, you know, as a as a uh, white guy and you know, and quite honestly, when you think about it, he was a uh, casualty of the Cold War. Absolutely. You know, we talk a lot about that we didn't that we won the war without firing a shot and that's really not true considering Vietnam and Korea, but but American civilians were killed in the Cold War, and my father was killed by by the FALN, who was trained by Cuba, whose whose armed robberies sent money to Cuba, um, and now who Cuba harbors one of his murders. Yeah, and you know I can't tell you how many times I went to lectures when I was in college, where the lecturer would be, oh, uh, uh, Stokely Carmichael, for example, or other other. Uh, terrorists who would start their conversation with the exact same words with welcome comrades I'm a revolutionary and when you look back into it you find they're all trained by the exact same groups and the exact same people with the exact same goals Um, and you know for for our audience that they may not have been there the 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 Francis Tavern is this very quaint little place in the financial district in downtown Manhattan Uh, and as you said it's where George Washington gave his farewell address to his troops it is it is as close to being symbolic of American freedom as any place there is on the planet. And, the, and it's, a, it's a place where people go to have a pleasant breakfast or lunch and to kind of escape the hustle and bustle of the financial district. But if you want to blow, you want to strike a blow to the heart of America, you can't pick a better location. You're right. And, you know, I, I've, I've, talk, I've talked with some of the uh, FBI agents and NYPD who are still around. You know, a lot of them are. And uh, a, a lot of them think it was that was chosen specifically by the Weather Underground. They didn't think the Puerto Rican um, FALN really had the appreciation for that. Mm-hmm. So that target was, um, they believe you can't, you don't know for sure why it was chosen, but it was a, you know, it was an absolutely, you know, a symbolic spot. And and the date of January 24th was a anniversary of when uh, Marte had spoken in Central Park a hundred or so years earlier. So there was, there was some, um, you, know, you can't say rhyme or reason, but there, there was some, uh, there was some reason for actually why they, why they chose that time and that, and that spot. That, that time and that location are just as uh, symbolic as Osama bin Laden picking the uh, world trade center for, you know, which was, you know, in walking distance away, I might add. It, it yeah, right. And actually the FALN in 1978, um, threatened the world trade center, 
um, and uh, it was evacuated for the first time. 50,000 people were evacuated due to an FALN bomb threat against the World Trade Center. And, and once again, digressing as I tend to do, you, you lost a family member of 9-11 as well. My father's godson, Steve Schlag, um, you know, he parked at the same train station my dad parked at the night, you know, the day he was killed. And you know, I, I was in the Trade Center that morning, commuted through it like I did every day and saw the sides of the buildings explode. And uh, from my office, I was at 60 Wall Street on the 36th floor, so only a quarter mile away, and uh, saw the sides of the buildings rip apart and um, um, called Steve. And, uh, you know, obviously, I did, he was on the 104th floor of the North Tower at Kenneth mm. Fitzgerald. Mm. Um, you know, I drove his car home from the train that night. And um, his family, like, you know, he had three little kids. My mom and dad had two little kids. And, uh, you know, they've, they've suffered a lot. The families have suffered enormously. Yeah. Well, as has yours. Um, well, so, you know, we've, we've laid the foundation for who these, uh, these evil, you know, sons of guns are and yeah. what they did. Um, and uh, uh, I guess... My, uh, my next uh, line of inquiry would be, so now that they've admitted to being terrorists, now that they've planted 130 bombs, now that they've killed American citizens, now that they've targeted the, the, uh, the heartland of uh, American freedom at the, at the Francis Tavern, um, so what happened to these people after they got convicted? Yeah. Well, they were convicted in Chicago. Um, they were in the back of a van. For the most part, they were kind of separated. There was a couple of different um, times they were picked up, but they were put in jail. Um, for, like I said, around between 50 and 70 years. The judge was somewhat arbitrary in that, but I mean, 50 years is essentially a life sentence. Um, in 1999, we started hearing um, inklings that Clinton might give clemency to these terrorists, which I thought was an absolute impossibility. Um, we met, ironically enough, with a, uh, a um, journalist or a writer from the uh, Houston Chronicle, a guy by the name of Tony Fremantle, at the World Trade Center, at the, actually the Pipeline, which is a little bar at the World Financial Center. My brother and I met with him in, in 1999, and um, he, didn't, he was writing about it. He had met Oscar Lopez in prison, and uh, Clinton had been floating the idea, and then it disappeared like so many things. Like, yeah, the, this stuff gets floated. It, the idea gets out there and then they pull it back, but it never really goes away. It's like Neil Young said, Russ never sleeps. It just, it just keeps going. And um, so, so um, it was August of 1999. Hillary Clinton was running for was planning her Senate run. She was going to be against Giuliani. If you remember before mm -hmm. he got cancer, he was going to be the candidate rather than Rick Lazio. And uh, um, in the middle of August, when, Congress was at a session. We got word that uh, he had given clemency to the FALN, mm. to the 14 members. But of course, they didn't accept it. <laughs> they didn't ask for it. They said, no. They said, we, we still don't recognize your jurisdiction over us. We are not going to, uh, the conditions were that they had to renounce violence as a, as a means of political gain, uh, which is terrorism. Mm. Um, and then they had to disassociate themselves with other um, convicted felons, which would have been each other. Mm -hmm. So those were the stipulations on it. Um, a month went by. Um, I, I ended up testifying in front of the Senate Judiciary for the first time during that month. Um, we were writing letters, do, doing everything we can to try to keep them in prison, to have Clinton pull back the, the offer. 
Hillary first was in favor of it, but then the both the House and Congress, but the House and Senate um, had non-binding votes that um, were overwhelmingly condemning Clinton, the Clintons, and Eric Holder, who was the Deputy Attorney General, who was in charge of this for Clinton. Um, so it, politically, it was a disaster for the Clintons. So finally, um, they gave the terrorists a deadline. If you don't give us an answer by September 10th, 1999 or thereabouts, we're not, we're not going to let you out. This, so, is the, this is the United States government. This is President Bill Clinton telling terrorists, yes. please accept our, our, our please bid to let you out. Please, please, please come out and terrorize America again. And they're saying, we're, we're, yes. we, we don't recognize your ability to tell us what to do because we're dedicated terrorists. And if you let us out, we're not going to repent and we're not going to live up to Precisely. your price. Yeah, yeah. And, and they didn't ask for, the, for any information for unsolved crimes either. Mm. You know, they the, the had 130 bombs. The Francis Tavern bombing was never before it, and we have pictures of them there. So this is exactly what you, your point exactly right. Clinton's begging them now to accept the clemency. So September 9th or 10th, uh, 1999, they accept clemency, all but Oscar Lopez, and uh, an, another uh, member who wasn't, he was a, he was on the Puerto Rican side of it rather than the U.S. side. There was Los Macheteros and the FLN. They were kind of in, an interconnected group. So Lopez turns it down. The rest of them accept the clemency. They go, they, they walk out of prison, some to a hero's welcome in various places. Yeah. And, uh, and Lopez that, that, stays that, in. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Lopez stays in and never really gave a reason why. But we did find out a little a few years later when when we faced him at, at his parole hearing. You were going to say something. Yeah, I was going to back up and just say it wasn't just the FALN. At the same time, Clinton's very last day in office, he uh, pardons, for example, Susan Rosenberg of the M19 communist organization, even though she was a murderer and a bomber and everything else. And at the, at the specific request of guess who? Jerry Nadler, right? So you've got these people, you've got a president of the United States and uh, you got Jerry Nadler and you got Hillary Clinton, and you've got the entire left begging communist murdering terrorists to get out of jail and go back. And, and I called Nadler. Francis is in Nadler's district. So I called Nadler to get his, in, in, in 1999, to get his, uh, his support to keep, them, to keep them in. And what I got from one of his spokespeople was um, they were only convicted of political crimes seditious conspiracy, which is what these other people are in now, which suddenly is not a, a, a political crime. Um, so, you know, th this guy is a, he, he's such an AH, it's hard, to, it's hard to imagine what kind of person does that. Um, but that's what we have. It's, it's hard to imagine. Oh, it's not it's, the only one. Yeah. It's hard to imagine that the United States of America, the people that are actually leading this country are such communist sympathizers that they would release these terrorists back back on the planet. And of course, uh, uh, Susan Rosenberg, she's she's my favorite. Um, she's uh, now the head of something called Thousand Currents that funds BLM. Yeah, they fundraise for BLM. Yeah, she so she I mean, she never got out of the business. Right. You know, yeah. she it's like the mob. You come out and you're back in it again. And this is, you know, you might change the form that you're in it, but she, she never left the business. They, they were all completely dedicated. You know, Oscar Lopez turns it down. So, so in, um, and he had never requested a parole hearing because he didn't, you know, he didn't believe in the U.S. jurisdiction over him. 
So uh, he tried to escape from prison twice after he was convicted in 81 or 82. And uh, then he decides in 2010 that he's going to accept a parole hearing. So a, a group of us went to the federal prison in Terre Haute and faced him across a little table. And uh, he lied, obfuscated, just complete, complete scumbag. Um, and we kept him in. So the, the parole examiner, as a matter of fact, the, one of the guards says, uh, oh, I, ma- I made sure when I was talking about what he did in prison that I, in front of the guards, I said, and when he was trying to escape from Leavenworth, the plan was to kill a lot of guards. So I wanted to make sure that he was ingratiated with the, with the guards in the prison. And one of the guards, as we were leaving, said, you guys did great. He's a piece of shh. So, yeah. um, and he, he is. But um, he stayed in. And then Obama, in his last day in office, gave him a second clemency. Um, and uh, he was going to be named a freedom hero, Ugh. freedom hero at the Puerto Rican Day Parade. And and they were announcing this at the New World Trade Center site. So they were giving a freedom hero award to a leader of a Marxist terrorist murderous group at the World Trade Center where the largest um, terror attack in human history occurred. These people don't care. They don't care about us. They don't care about what it looks like. They don't care about anything. I, I would go. Um, I would. I would phrase it differently. I'd say they do care. They care a great deal. But what they care about is a single world socialist government, and no. that they will do everything they can to undermine yeah. traditional American. Yeah, values. they don't care about us, or they hate us. Um, and since Lopez got out of jail, he's been you know going around the world. Um, at various communist groups in Venezuela and, and, and Brazil and Mexico and this kind of thing stirring up. You know? yeah. So, um, yeah, this is what we're talking about here. So, you know, and so I know a lot about um, these terrorists and our government's willingness to let them loose for political gains, which really scares me with the with Kalichek Mohammed and the other 9-11 well, you know, and it only goes one direction, right? If you're if you're if you're fighting for for the right, if you're fighting for our constitutional republic, you're a terrorist. If you're fighting for the left and want to destroy our democratic republic, then you're then you're a hero and you get out of jail free. It is it is it is. Yeah, you're, you're. Go ahead. You're a freedom fighter when you're fighting for communism. Yeah, yeah, and and that's it. And the the, the I know the American people don't like to have to realize this truth. But the people that run our country, and it's not just the Democrats, and it's not, you know, it's, it's not just rhino Republicans, but the mainstream media and academia and everything else is controlled by the very people, the very uh, weather underground and the um, uh, ever, all, every leftist organization from the 60s is now in charge of our government and doing everything they can to destroy any semblance of a, of a free republic. Well, and, well that's right. I mean, when, when they realized they couldn't take down our government, um, by bombings in the 60s and 70s, they turned to academia, like you said. They turned to media. They turned to Hollywood. Um, they so, and you can see it. I mean, look at look at Bill Ayers. He's a professor at University of some <laughs> in, in, in Illinois. I don't know. Well, um, he, you know, he's a punk. Yeah. And I said I said yeah. that on the Megyn Kelly one time show one time. I'm like, he's a punk. That's yeah. what the guy is. And and these people thought. You know they should be running the world. Yeah. That's what they think. Absolutely, and 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 they're pretty close to accomplishing that task uh, right now with uh, with 
whoever is actually running the country today, you, you know, obviously the Easter Bunny has more control over our government than, than Bill Clinton does. I mean, uh, Joe Biden does. But whoever is actually running our country today, and it's probably your old friend Barack Obama. And by the way, before we go here, I want to have you spend uh, a minute talking about uh, testifying in front of the Senate when they are thinking of approving uh, Holder as attorney general. Yeah, well, thanks. Yeah, when, um, you know, Eric Holder was charged by Clinton with, um, well, with, with with giving him cover for the FALN's release in 99. See, the, the power of the president, the pardon power of the president is, un, is unchecked. In Federal 74, Alexander Hamilton said that, um, you know, he, he wouldn't abuse it. A president wouldn't abuse it unless he thought of a conniver. And as my brother said, he never envisioned Bill Clinton. <laughs> So, so Clint, Clinton says that he wants these guys um, given clemency, and he has absolute power to do it. Um, but he wanted cover. He wanted some political cover. So he went to um, he went to Eric Holder and said, "Eric, you know, I want you to work with Margaret Love. She was the she was the pardon attorney at the time." And she said, "No, I'm not going to do it." Fired her, right? Mm-hmm. So, so then they bring in Jay Christian Adams, and Adams wrote an options memo at Holder's. Re- uh, bequest saying like, okay, well, you could do a couple things. You could release them, you could keep them in, or you could do what he ended up doing, which was having a couple of um, stipulations on their release, but there was nothing, nothing major. So Holder was the guy who was in charge of getting them released. So when Holder then um, is named the attorney general nominee in, to, in uh, 2009, I went to DC and I testified along with Rick Hahn, who was an FBI agent and um, um, uh, it was one other person at, at Holder's Senate confirmation hearing. And I said, you know, anyone who would release terrorists, unrepentant terrorists on America would do anything. And, um, and now we're seeing that. We see how the Justice Department has turned out as it is. It's, yeah. it, it's that it was put in place for Holder. And, you know, the thing that really got me was I, there was a, I think there were 39 Republican senators at the time. Um, and 19 of them voted for Holder after bringing me down. Now, you know, I exposed myself, not literally, but, you know, I exposed myself. I was I went down there and I, and you know, I, I testified against the attorney general and, uh, and these cowards voted for him. And I ran into Jeff Sessions after that at a, some meeting. And I said to him, like, you know, Mr. Sessions, I, I went down there at your request and then you voted for Holder. He goes, oh, it was the worst mistake I ever made. I'm sorry. And I'm like, don't be sorry. Yeah. Do what's right. There's no mis- there's no mistakes. These people know exactly what they're they doing. They knew exactly what they were doing, yeah. and they were using me. Look, and I get it. I get it. I know I was being used at times, but I was using them too. I was trying to get an agenda to get these terrorists back from Cuba, Morales, and to try to keep these other guys in prison. So, you know, I, I went in and they were wise, eyes open, but you know, don't BS me either. I mean, yeah. this is this is unbelievable what they do. Well, and you know, this is this is to put it in context. You've got people who are going to be spending decades in jail for doing more, no more than physically being in the Capitol on January the 6th. And, and Jeff Sink, who's running for Congress in Arizona, was up there for his son's trial last week. And he went from house to house to house office trying to find any members of the United States House of Representatives that would support them and, and actually work against this, the political prisoner campaign going on in D.C., and he was told by Congressman Biggs, who was the only guy that would talk to him. I mean, Jim Jordan wouldn't even let him in the office. But Biggs said, out of the, out of the uh, Republicans in the House, a third of them think everybody that was in D.C. that day should go to prison. A third of them just want it to go away. And there's only a handful 
that will actually do anything to support a January 6th political prisoner. You know, and that's they, just they are, shocking. They, you, know, you, you know, you brought up the Holder co- confirmation hearing, you know, and I'm, I'm sitting there. and they, they get above you, right? They're above, like Leahy and these clowns are above you looking down like, like, like they're Zeus and we're, we're some peons. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with this sympathetic look, I don't need that. You know, they, they, and what, what bothered about January 6th, they looked at me and my family like we were some sort of um, weak, you know, just people to, to be pitied and that. But when they had any inkling that they could be threatened, all hell broke loose. It's the worst day ever. Oh. Look, I was there on 9 11. I saw what happened. I saw people jumping out of the freaking building to die rather than to burn. And, and these, these cowards sit in there once they had a little threat then it's the worst thing that ever happened because it's them they don't give a rat's ass about us well you you got to remember they're god and we're just we're just peons they're the gods on mount olympus looking down at you that's the way it's set up that's the way it looked i'm sitting there looking up i'm like yeah i get it this is this is what the this is the way it's up and then you know i wrote a book about the founders coming to life in america today and you know that this would drive them insane. Absolutely. Um, well, you know, I, it, I, I, I say this, this is every, not what it was supposed to be. Sorry. I say this every speech I give these days. 247 years ago, a young man stood up in Philadelphia and said, I know not what course others may take, but as for me, give me liberty or give me death. Oh, give me death. And the tyranny that we're facing today is so much greater than the tyranny that Patrick oh. Henry was facing then. And the Americans have become such sheep, we're going to sleep through the process and wake up absolute slaves. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look look at what they fought against in, in 1776. It was taxes mainly, right? It was also about uh, soldiers being housed in your place. And, and it was an overall feeling that you didn't have any representation. We are so past that right now. The taxes that they paid, we we, we pay that every time we, we buy a, you know, we buy a newspaper. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's it's outrageous and, and we put up with it. Um, just because it's coming, not coming from overseas and maybe it is, mm-hmm. but it's not, it's not overtly coming from, from a King overseas, but, um, we're, we're putting up with this and the founders would be absolutely appalled. The farther we move from the constitution, the more screwed up this country has become. Absolutely. And the only way to fix it, if we can't even fix it at this point is go back to the founding principles. And th- that, that's where the book at, ends up coming across and, you know, it was a lot of fun. Mike Duncan and I wrote it, and it was, um, it's called The New Founders. And I also wrote a book about my dad called Shattered Lives, and we have a, we have a movie in, um, you know, post-production right now that uh, we've premiered and looking to get it released on a, uh, on a streaming service. So thank, thank you, um, Mark, for, you know, first of all, you have a lot of fans. I told people I was going to be on your show, and they're like, oh, the, tell them they got a lot of fans on the East Coast too, right? <laughs> so we're very, we're, I'm really, uh, thank you for having me. And You've stood up for yourself and our country. And I think we all have something we can do. Mine was pretty clear what I can do, but we all got something, whether it's our school boards or whether it's, you know, and anything that you got in your little, in your town or just stand up for yourself and stand up for what's right. And eventually things will change. Yeah. Just stand up and show the world. We're not cheap. We'll be free people. We're not cheap. Absolutely. And it's not, it's not, I always say like, you know, with 9-11 and I agree, never forget, but it, that's not it. It's never forget and always do something. Absolutely. Well, Joe Connor, thanks for being on the show today. And I wish I had more time, but I got to let you go. All right, my friend. Thank you so much for having me. And and I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Right here, right now.
Get more Mark McCloskey at NewstalkSTL.com. This is Mark McCloskey on Fire on Newstalk STL. For podcast articles and more, find us on NewstalkSTL.com. Mark McCloskey on Fire. This is Mark McCloskey on Fire on Newstalk STL. Well, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, once again, this is Mark McCloskey. Mark McCloskey on Fire News Talk STL. We know talking to Joe Connor reminds you of how fragile our, our freedom is and how much the current government is controlled by the forces of evil. I'm being evil. This the left is not benign. They're not out there out of genuine principles. They're an evil force. They cannot be negotiated with. They cannot be bargained with. They can only be destroyed because they have no desire to bargain with us. Any negotiation with the people that seek to destroy us will only be taken as a sign of weakness. But you know, nonetheless, the stage play goes on day after day after day. So we're watching uh, Attorney General Merrick Garland in front of Congress, allegedly testifying, allegedly under oath, dodging all the questions. I mean, doing the, uh, the I don't know. Well, um, our, uh, uh, David Weiss have limitations on what he could do in investigating Hunter and Joe Biden. Oh, I don't know. That's up to David Weiss. Well, did you sick the FBI on, uh, on uh, people at school boards? Oh, I don't know. I don't have anything to do with the FBI. Well, they work for you, Attorney General. By the way, did you declare that uh, conservative Christian Catholics are a terror organization? Well, I don't know what you mean by, by con- conservative or blah, blah, blah. And then he does the thing that I found the most offensive thing in the world. When he's being asked whether or not he had sicked the FBI on uh, Catholics, particularly Catholics that, that uh, are religious, go to Mass, and God forbid actually practice Latin math, he then goes into his typical, what you can predict, um, ethnic defense of, quote, the idea that someone of my family's background uh, could discriminate against religions, that's outrageous, all right? So Merrick Garland's Jewish, and he goes into any time you challenge any kind of offense, well, because I'm Jewish, I'm incapable of discriminating against people based on religion. Well, he did it. His FBI did it. And, and just the arrogance of these people, when there's absolute evidence that they did declare moms at school board meetings as domestic terrorists, as they did direct the FBI to infiltrate Catholic churches and go to mass with Catholics to on the pretext that they were domestic terrorist organizations to then stand there in front of Congress and lie under oath and say that he had nothing to do with it. He didn't know anything about it. And by God, because he's a Jew, he's incapable of religious discrimination. You know, when people like Mike Flynn lie under oath, they go to jail. Uh, you know, when, when, when people who are Republicans, and I use that phrase lightly because most Republicans are working for the left now, but when a true Republican, somebody who's willing to stand up for the Constitution and stand up for our rights and stand up for our freedoms, says something which can be arguably contrived to be a lie under oath, they get prosecuted and they go to jail. And you know what? I heard this week from several sources that when uh, the uh, 
Biden impeachment inquiry is under, underway, and they call people in front of Congress to testify, and they put them under oath. By God, if they don't tell the truth, we'll prosecute them. Well, who's going to prosecute them? What Congress can do is refer a request for prosecution to guess who? Merrick Garland, okay? And so we have Merrick Garland lying to Congress. What's Congress going to do? Congress is going to make a criminal referral to the Justice Department to have Merrick Garland held in contempt of Congress for lying to Congress. Do you think Merrick Garland's going to arrest himself? Do you think that's a, probably the, the – other than being a stage show to deflect us from the real problems in America, the real uh, uh, effort of what's going on to destroy our government, run by the very communists that were firebombing us 30 and 40 years ago – this is just stage play. There's going to be lots of hearings, lots of uh, nonsense, and nothing. No one's going to go to jail. No one's going to be prosecuted. Nobody's life on the left is going to be destroyed. And you know what? If you think that there's any question that this is just a big play to distract you, think about the, uh, the ogre from Pennsylvania, uh, John Fetterman. John Fetterman refuses to wear clothing appropriate for his office as a United States senator. He wears shorts and a hoodie, and they were making him stand outside the Senate chambers and vote from outside because the Senate had a dress code. And so rather than making John Fetterman comply with the dress code for the Senate, eh, Chuck Schumer says there'll be no dress code for the Senate. And, you know, I'd like to see um, 49 Republican senators show up in their underpants uh, for, for a couple of days. But of course they won't because of course they're, they're, they're sheep because of course they won't really do anything effective, but we have to do everything in this country today, the federal government, the media in, uh, uh, academia, everybody's whole purpose is to degrade, diminish, and demoralize anything that is contrary to traditional American values, everything that is contrary to everything we stand for, everything that tends to diminish our self-respect everything that tends to degrade our morality, degrade our self-respect, our lives, our family, our government, that's what's promoted. And anybody who stand up and say what's true, that, for example, John Fetterman is nothing but a brain-injured, screaming thug, we have to pretend that that's not true. We have to pretend, well, the people of Pennsylvania elected him. He's a United States senator. No, he's a moron. He's a brain-injured moron who is nothing more than a left-supporting vote in the Senate. And they would elect a turtle. They would elect a possum if a possum could vote and claim that a possum is a U.S. senator. Well, then we had the farce of all farces, which is the uh, uh, persecution impeachment trial of Ken Paxton. And God, thank God, we... Uh, got an acquittal on all 16 counts of his impeachment. But you know what? The reason he was impeached was that he was attempting to prosecute voter fraud in Texas. And the courts said, the courts in Texas ruled that the attorney general of Texas, the top policeman, the person who should be investigating and mandated to investigate by the, by the legislature of Texas election fraud, said that he cannot investigate election fraud. And then he has a gall to do the unthinkable. The uh, Speaker of the Texas House, Dade Phelan, is so drunk that when he's directing the House 
He's so drunk he can barely stand up. He's so drunk he can barely lift his gavel. And the Attorney General of Texas, Ken Paxton, says, you've embarrassed yourself. You've embarrassed the state of Texas. You need to resign. What happens? The very next day, a four-hour hearing, and the House of Representatives in the state of Texas vote to impeach Ken Paxton. Well, ladies and gentlemen, once again, there's only one unforgivable crime in America today, and that's standing up against the left, whether those lefts have D's behind their names or R's behind their names. And if you stand up against the left, you'll be persecuted and prosecuted for the rest of your life. It's time for each and every one of us to stand up and say, we will not tolerate that. We will be a free people. We will not be sheep, and we will not tolerate any more unconstitutional infringements of our liberties. Confess your passion, your secret fear. Prepare to meet the challenge of the new frontier. Get more Mark McCloskey at NewstalkSTL.com. This is Mark McCloskey on Fire on News Talk STL. For podcast articles and more, find us on NewstalkSTL.com.